Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. invite you to go ahead and find your place in your Bibles, John chapter 17. Um, we're still walking through some, some thoughts about uh, initially being filled up, then we're going to be talking about being geared up, signed up, and sent out. In the transition between being filled up and geared up, we're going to take four weeks counting this Sunday. We're going to just kind of settle in on the central theme of what this is all about. I believe this is going to be a good transition for us, and so we're going to be talking about just why we're here. Why does God fill us up? Why has God gifted us? Why has God enlisted us? Why is God sending us out? And the answer to that question is, it's all because of the gospel. And I want to let you know something, folks. You're going to see it. Some of us already see it because we're looking for it. Some of us got to have, are getting a glimpse of it, but we don't really understand what exactly is going on. <clears throat> but there is a war that's being waged. It's not just in this country, and it's not just in this state, it's all over the world. There's a war that's being waged, and many people think that it's a political war. It ain't a political war. Jesus settled that. He's king. Whether they like it or not, he's king. No, the war is actually the war over truth. That's what the war is about. And I hope and pray that over the course of this year and in the days beyond that, that you will see through God's Word and through life itself living out right here your Christianity, right here at Chestnut Ridge, that you're going you're gonna to see these things unfold before your very eyes. Over the next couple of months, starting in just a week, Major denominations will be battling for truth like they've never battled before. You say, I don't believe in denominations, whatever you, whatever you want to. I don't care how you feel about that. Uh, it's the fact that Protestant evangelicalism is waging a warfare for truth. And so in John chapter 17, what I want to do is I want to take the time to read those first 20 verses. 
We're not going to deal with all 20 verses today. And we're going to talk about today just the fact that because of the gospel we're saved. Because of the gospel we're saved. Uh, then next week we're going to talk about the fact that because of the gospel we're shunned. Then the next week it's going to be because of the gospel we're set apart. And then we're going to talk about it's because of the gospel that we're sent out. And this week starting off John chapter 17 verse 1 through 20 it reads like this. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life that you may know, uh, that they may know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth, and I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world, and they were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are for you, from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given to me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them I lost except the son of perdition, that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you send me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified by the truth. And verse 20 says, I do not pray for these alone, but, for, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Let's pray. Father, starting today, would you take these verses over four Sundays, and there's definitely not enough time to expound all that there is in the depths of the truth of your word, even just in a verse. But God, would you give us enough to help us transition from realizing, God, that you desire to fill us to overflowing, and that you've gifted, equipped us for a work that you want us to 
enlist into and go and perform. And all of it's for your glory, God, and all of it's because of the gospel. And so today, God, in this time that we have, would you just open our eyes to, well, what the gospel's about in Christ's name. Amen. Why am I here? <laughs> that seems to be for a lot of folks a lifelong quest to figure out exactly why we're here. I love the words that we sang just a moment ago. I searched the world, but it wouldn't fill me. Man's empty praise. <laughs> Boy, I'm telling you now. One of the greatest lessons I think I learned while at Fruitland was that I needed to search my heart and figure out in my life what I believed and what I was living and doing with the fear of man. What I believed about it and how it was working in my life. It's one of the, one of the greatest lessons that stands out. Had, we had to write a paper on the fear of man. At that time, I was like, I don't fear any men. What is he talking about? Man, I got Jesus. I'm ready to rock on. Man, it's amazing how those thoughts have changed and how God caused me to look back over my life to realize that the majority of the stuff that I did in my life was because of the fear of man. I'm not saying everybody does, but I think if we look in our lives, we'll, we'll see that one of the reasons that we do a lot of things in our lives is because we want to please people, or we at least want to show other people up. If you look on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, whatever social media platform you want to look on, you'll find people on there that fear man. They have to put their whole life out as a drama before them. Sometimes we have to act big and bad on social media or in life because we fear men. I'm not there, but I can tell you this much. The peace of God that passes all understanding that comes by just being satisfied in Jesus Christ is one of the most precious things in the Christian life. That I don't, not braggadociously, I, I just, I don't have to please anybody but Him. And if I'm good with Him, I'll be good with you. And if you're not good with me and I'm good with Him, that's your problem <clears throat> at that point. But that's a journey. And, and that journey does not begin until your eyes are opened. When we look at the text, verses 1 through 3, I want you to listen to John 17 once again, verses 1 through 3. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up His eyes toward heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son, that Your Son also may glorify You. Now you've got to understand that Jesus is praying. We'll look at the other two verses in just a second. But don't miss the fact that Jesus is praying. He is initially praying for the disciples that were walking with Him. But you're not excluded out of this list. 
verse 20 draws all of us into this list. He said, I also pray for those that would believe in their word. All of those that would come along. So if you're a Christian today, if you're a born-again believer, Jesus Christ in these verses was praying for you. Verse 2 says, As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. See, it's because of the gospel that we're saved, and the gospel initially opens our eyes. Now, many of us know that, but I just want to plug that one more time. No one will ever come to faith in Jesus Christ. No one will ever spend eternity in heaven unless God opens their eyes. And the Bible explicitly says that. I want you to listen to a couple of verses that we don't think about sometimes. 1 Peter 2, 9 says this, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. A chosen generation. That if you're in Christ Jesus, God did not accidentally bring you into the family. As a matter of fact, Ephesians tells us it was before the foundation of the world that these things happened. That before the world was ever formed, before man was ever birthed on this planet, that you were in God's thoughts. Not just the thought of, a, of an empty God, but the, the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The one that was seen at the baptism of Jesus Christ by John. The Son there being baptized, the Holy Spirit comes down and descends as a dove, and the Father speaks from heaven. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. That's the God that we're talking about that opens our eyes, chooses us as a holy generation. Romans 1, 15 and 16 tell a beautiful tale. It says in 15 and 16, it says, So as much as is in me, and this is the Apostle Paul speaking, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Now Paul has been preaching the gospel on this missionary journey of his. If somebody doesn't believe in evangelism, go talk to the Apostle Paul. Because he's preaching all across the country, traveling. People are gathering around him. And he's sharing the gospel, and the gospel's spreading. But Paul wants to go to Rome. And listen to what Paul says. He said, I want to come, and I want to share the gospel in Rome, and I want you to know something about the gospel in my heart. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Did you you hear the heart of the Apostle Paul? He said, if I can get to Rome, don't you think that I won't share the gospel? He said, because I'm not ashamed of what the gospel brings. Because it is the gospel that changes lives. It's the gospel that opens eyes. It is the proclamation, and I want you to hear those words just like that. The proclamation of the gospel. Some people said it's to be preached. It is to be preached. And guess what? You're the preachers. Some people don't like to hear all that stuff, but it's about the proclamation of the gospel. It is the heralding of the gospel. 
And as Christians, you and I, we have been called to go and to share the eye-opening, the heart-melting gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. It's the gospel that saved men. If you're saved today, it's the gospel that saves, saved you. And I say saves, let's just put it this way, get this out of the way. It is the gospel that saved me. It is the gospel that is saving me. And it is the gospel that will save me. Because of that gospel, we're saved. It opens our eyes. It also covers our life. The gospel covers our life. We're going to read a few more verses here. Verses 4 through 12. And settle in, set the stage for this thought that the gospel covers our life. He says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. <laughs> I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me. And they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you. And they have believed that you sent me. Listen to this. He says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Now I want to pause there for just one moment. If nothing else ought to warm your heart as a Christian, I mean, it, it tickles my fancy to think that I had grandparents that prayed for me. I mean, it's, I love the fact that my wife prays for me. I'm thankful that there are leaders in this church and members of this church that pray for me. But I'm telling you right now, to know that Jesus Christ not only prays for me, he's been praying for me. And if you don't think that prayer is important, Jesus thinks it's important. Some people think that why, if God's got it all figured out, then why do I need to pray? I think this is well enough reason. Jesus Christ himself, he's prayed for you if you're saved, and he is praying for you to at this moment, and I'll show you that in just a minute. He says, all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now, I, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one, or as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave to me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. To think the, that, that we are kept by Jesus Christ. Listen to a couple of these words. Romans 8.34 says, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who may also makes intercession for us. 
Hebrews 7.25, Therefore He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. That's how we know that He who has begun a good work in you will see it through until the day of completion. That He will save to the uttermost. You know, some, I've heard some old preachers say that He don't miss a hair or a toenail. He saves to the uttermost. I'm thankful that God saves me and you, if you're saved, to the uttermost. That means that He is the one that is keeping us. He's the one that's doing the, the holding, the keeping, the, the seeing through. And it's kind of interesting because it's like that question people ask sometimes about, well, God's doing it all. Some people say, I have the responsibility. My question would be, who actually does live the Christian life? Paul didn't know himself. He said, for I am crucified with Christ. <laughs> Nevertheless, I live. But it's not I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. But now the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me, gave Himself for me. And Paul goes, you know what? Yeah, God's doing it. And He's called me to do it. It's just like we could ask the question, who wrote the book that we're reading out of this morning? Did John write that? Or did God write it? Yeah. You say, well, John was inspired. Well, was it John's words or was it God's words? See, there are a lot of things in the Christian life that we don't quite understand. And that's okay. It, it, it's okay to be at that place. But isn't it great to know some of the things that we need to know to realize that we are covered, that our life is covered by the gospel. That if you are in Christ, what saved you is also what is keeping you. And it's going to keep you. You realize that this whole book is about the gospel. And you realize that this is what they're after. This is what the enemy wants. Did you hear what he said? He said, I, I pray in, the, in John 17, he said, I pray that, Father, that you would keep them from the evil one. That you you would keep them from the evil one. Did you know that the enemy wants to take the gospel out of your life? The enemy does not want the gospel in your life. The enemy does not want the gospel in this world because the enemy knows that the gospel changes lives. That the gospel saves not just a little bit, but to the uttermost. And the enemy can't stand that. It's truth. And, and let me just put this plug in there. <clears throat> I said this this week already, but I want to I say it again. If the reason that you fight against some moral corruption is because you were raised to believe that that moral corruption is wrong and that's the only reason that you're fighting that fight, you are not fighting that fight for the glory of God. I was raised to believe that homosexuality was wrong. But I didn't realize until after I got saved and started reading this book, when I had eyes to see and ears to hear, that it really don't matter whether grandma or grandpa thought it was wrong. What matters most is that God says it's wrong. That's what matters. And see, you can miss the fight just that easily. Because what we need is the favor of God on our lives. Would you agree? 
We need the favor of God on our lives. And you and I cannot go out here into this arena, this civic arena, and fight a fight just because we were raised to think that this thing was wrong or that thing was right. We have to go knowing the Word of God. We have to go in, in the favor and in the power of the Spirit of the living God. That's how Paul stood at Mars Hill against all of the philosophers. See, people can gain wisdom, I mean, gain knowledge, but only God can give wisdom. And wisdom empowered by the Spirit of the living God can stand against the knowledge of man any day of the week. But that's what God gives. And that's all we need at the end. Some would have seen Jesus Christ's death as a defeat. But we know it as a victory. Because three days later, up from the grave he arose. And so many would look at Christians through the years at their martyrdom as, a, as a, a, a light that burned out too quickly. But if they were in the will of God doing what God wanted them to do, that light burned until the day that God wanted it to go out. When I say go out, it never goes out. They burned just as long as God wanted them to burn. See, we worry too much about living for all of eternity here on this earth when we've never been promised that. We, were, we, we want to live and live and live and live, and the reason we want to live and live and live here is because this world's got more hold on us than the glory of God does. I Don't get me wrong, I want to live as long as I'm living. But you and I cannot be a force for the kingdom of God unless we let go of this world and say, here I am, God, use me. Use me for your glory. He's talking to his disciples. There's going to come a point in time when Jesus goes out of their sight. And I want you to hear this, church, as we move toward the last point. When he left out of their sight, they never left out of his sight. And I'm telling you today, there's no place that you are or will ever be if you're his child that you're going to be out of his sight. Last thought. We're here because of the gospel. It is the gospel that fulfills our joy. It is the gospel that fulfills our joy. One verse, 17, John 17, verse 13. He says, but now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus Christ praying for you and for me. And he says, but now I come to you, talking to the Father, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. In other words, the words that He left us are there for us so that His joy may be fulfilled in us. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 kind of sets the stage, and you see the joy that Jesus has. He says, Therefore, wherefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author are the originator and the perfecter, or the finisher of our faith. And it says, who for the joy set before him 
endured the cross, despising the shame, is now seated at the right hand of the throne of Almighty God, who for the joy set before Him, He endured those things for the glory of God. Philippians 3.1 says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. He says rejoice in the Lord. As a matter of fact, John 15.11 says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Do you realize that that is what Christ desires for us? Never, never did God speak about our happiness here. That, that has to do with what's happening in your life right now. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I ain't real happy. Y'all all right? I've hit myself on the finger with a hammer. I ain't the happiest person in the world. Right? When somebody I love passes away, it don't make me happy. That'd be kind of ridiculous, wouldn't it? I would be, oh, <laughs> so happy. They passed. When people disappoint me, or, or, or even when I disappoint somebody else, it don't make me happy. When I fail at a task, it don't make me happy. When natural disasters come, that don't make me happy. Happiness is not a fruit of the Spirit, but joy is. Joy is a fruit produced by God, and it is produced through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I am thankful for the joy that I find in Jesus Christ. It amazes me that some of the greatest theological debates can never bring me quite as much joy as the thought of the day that God saved me. The gospel. Sometimes we muddy it up, don't we? And sometimes we get it all muddied up. Sometimes we, we, we just... We, we think too much about it sometimes. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't think about Scripture and shouldn't read Scripture and study and all that stuff. It doesn't mean it. But I'm telling you right now that at its core, I'll never get over the fact that He changed me. And that <laughs> He knows all my failures and flaws, but still calls me friend. Whew. Isn't that amazing? That God wants you to have joy inexpressible and full of glory. Just overflowing out of your life. And how can you do that in the midst of a world? And I'm just going to tell you, the world will wax worse and worse. It's guaranteed. And, and let me just leave this thought with you to kind of go along with the spread of the gospel. I don't want my grandkids to endure a, a, a sin-sick world. I really don't. I don't want my children to go through that. I don't want my great-grandchildren to go through that if God tarries. But at what point am I going to be okay with Jesus coming back? We are so inundated with, a, with an Americanized idea of Christianity. It is sickening. And if it's sickening to us, it's got to be sickening to God. Think about it. 
In order for Jesus Christ to come back, the Scriptures have to be fulfilled, right? Is He going to come back when everything is absolutely perfect on this earth? <laughs> Far from it. And we will sit here and go, Lord, I just wish you'd just make things like it was when I was a kid growing up. Well, wouldn't that be great? I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I would love to have my kids be able to get on their bicycle, and my grandkids, my kids don't ride bicycles no more, but my grandkids, and get on their bicycle and ride three miles down the road to the neighbor and never worry one thing about it, like I did when I grew up. But guess what? See, what the gospel does in bringing joy to our hearts is not bringing joy so that our lives are more comfortable here on this earth or better in our view of what better is. The gospel brings us joy in being able to say, even so, come Lord Jesus. And that means it's time to get grown up in the Scriptures, folks. It's time to get grown up in the faith and realize that if Christ is going to come back, and this is we're, if we're nearing the last inning of the ball game, and God so chose to put us in at the last inning, wouldn't I, I can't get over that thought. That thought just keeps just, I'm serious, put me in, coach. That's right, I'm ready to play. And that he would put us on the batting roster. Not, not that we're just there. No, we, we're, going, we're up at bat. We will bat in this ball game. And if that's true, and the Scriptures are true, then every day that it grows worse, guess what? Not that we're to spend our days just gazing up into the sky, but you better keep looking. You better have your lamp lit. You better trim the wick on your lamp, have plenty of oil in, because he's coming back. And I don't know about you, but that brings joy to my heart. Because I'm sick of being sick. And I'm tired of being tired. Matthew Henry said this, Christ earnestly desired the fullness of the joy of his disciples. For it is his will that they should rejoice evermore. He was leaving them in tears and troubles and yet took effectual care to fulfill their joy. When they thought their joy in Him was brought to an end, then was it advanced nearer to perfection than ever it had been, and they were fuller of it. <laughs> Put it this way. He's too high for me to climb to the top of who He is. He's too deep for me to dig to the depths of His willingness to reach down and touch me. He's too wide for me to encircle the globe of His goodness, and He's too good for me to comprehend how He could love me. And since He's just too much for me, I guess He will just have to be the overflow of the joy in my life. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to overflow for His glory. I, I'm ready to, to spread the gospel for His goodness. And I pray that you have the gospel at work in your life. If you don't know Him, if you're lost today, I have to tell you the truth. See, many times we share the gospel without sharing 
the whole gospel. See, the gospel is that every man is depraved. That means that we are lost in our sinfulness. We're blind. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that very thing, that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but He made us alive together with Christ, or in Christ. But by grace you have been saved. Through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So if you're walking today, as a matter of fact, some folks are going to have their, uh, their, uh, their thinker kind of rattled today. Not all folks, but some folks. Some folks already have their thinker rattled about what's going to happen in just a moment. We're going to be baptizing three people. All three of those folks have been through this before. At young ages, and it's a common theme that we hear in church life, I really didn't know what I was doing then, but I get it now. That's why, and some folks wonder about the children's departments at churches and all this stuff. And let me tell you this. This is coming from a pastor that really cares about the gospel, and I'm not trying to beat up on any ministry, but I'm just telling you right now, we do not press the gospel on any young kids. We do not sit kids down at some Bible school and say, how many of y'all want to go to heaven? How many of them you think is going to raise their hand? Come on, answer me. Why, sure, because we just told them about this wonderful Jesus. How many of y'all want to go to heaven? Oh, preacher, I want to go to heaven. All you got to do is pray this prayer and you can go to heaven. That is not the gospel. Asking Jesus into your heart ain't the gospel. You don't, it is because of the gospel that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you. He is a representative of Jesus Christ. He testifies of Jesus. And so, yes, is Jesus in my heart? Sure he is. But that happened when he saved me. Why would God want to come live in an unregenerate, unrepentant heart? That heart has to be transformed Ezekiel 36 says he washes us with, sprinkles us with clean water. He takes the heart of stone out and he puts in a heart of flesh. And I'm not trying to be, I just want you to hear my heart. If we're not careful, that doesn't mean that we don't have young people that come to faith in Christ and are baptized. We just don't set them up in a situation where they put their faith in praying some prayer with a preacher back in the day. And there are even preachers that will say things like this. Boy, you write that date down in your Bible because if you ever, ever wonder if you're saved, you just go back and look at that date. There are many people that have dates and certificates and all kind of things, Sunday school pens and all that stuff. But God's not going to need any of that stuff when it comes to whether you're going into heaven or not. It is all going to be about what you did with Jesus Christ. I'm just saying all that to say that if you have your trust in anything but the fact that you are a sinner, lost, undone, cannot save yourself, and that Jesus Christ, the virgin-born Son of the living God, came and lived a perfect, sinless life on this earth and died a perfect death where He paid the penalty for your sin, 
They put him in a tomb. And on the third day he arose with the victory over death, hell, and the grave. And you've made him the Lord of your life. Upon the profession of faith in what Christ did, if you've got anything other than that, you have a gospel that Paul actually said is an accursed gospel. If anybody preached any other Christ other than what they preached. But here's the good news. If your eyes are open and your ears are open and you can hear that today and you know that you're lost, that you, you don't have an assurance of your salvation, you, God did, has not changed you, and that's what the point is right there. Has God changed you? Because if there is no change, there is no salvation. And some of the folks that we have today, these are the words that cause them to rethink everything about their salvation. When in your life, if ever, did the Bible become knowable? That your eyes were open to spiritual things, that God has changed the want to of your heart, and that the cares of your heart have changed. You, you love God's people, you love God's Word, you communicate with Him through prayer, and that old things have passed away and now things have become new, and they're becoming new. And conviction's happening. See, I trust that more than I trust anything else. Because only God can regenerate a life. I've said it so many times. My mom and daddy tried to change me and save me, and, and I, I thank God for that. That they cared enough about me, but they couldn't change me. But I met a man who did. And it ain't wore off. So well, I'll just say all that to say this. If you're not saved today, if you believe that you, you have made a, a profession at some time, but, it, but your life never changed, nothing ever changed about you, other than maybe you went on a rehab program for a couple of weeks in, in church, whatever that is, I want to invite you to be saved. I'm not praying some prayer with you. I'm simply saying right where you're at right now, you can repent before a holy God and say, God, whatever's on your heart that you need to say, I'm trusting in you. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us, and so we look forward to hearing from you. Jesus is waiting